In fact, I want to encourage you in something today. I want to encourage you as we get ever closer. How many days till Christmas? 13? 13 days till Christmas, something like that. A couple weeks. I want you, and as we'll talk this morning, I want you to focus your life on the Christ of Christmas. You see, we've got to counteract the culture today. And we can do it. We can lift Him high. You know, the angels, when they showed up there with the shepherds, they didn't say, talk about Walmart. And, and Hey, they said, glory to God in the highest. Whew, that's what it's all about, giving Him all the glory. Amen. Love you folks so much. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. In, in the Word of God today, I want to talk to you about making, making room for Jesus. And as you know, in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read it today, we may read it next Sunday as well. Next Sunday will be our, our official Christmas uh, uh, service, but we certainly want to focus on the Christ of Christmas today as well. Uh, you know, we know that according to this passage of Scripture, that when, G, when Jesus' mother and father, Joseph and Mary, made it uh, uh, to Bethlehem, uh, there was no room in the in. Let's read it together. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed or registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. That's their birthplace. And so Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called what? Bethlehem. Everyone say Bethlehem. You know, when I start reading these passages, I remember, and I just want to encourage you, and we have no trips planned, but I've been there now three times. In fact, God called me to preach uh, uh, as a young high school graduate. Uh, was I even? Yeah. December 75 or 4. I graduated, yeah, May of 74. December 74, found myself in Israel. And the Spirit of God spoke to me the first night I was there, and He called me to preach very clearly, almost audibly. And so that place has a very dear place in my heart. And so when I read these names, I just remember I've been there. And so I would encourage you, if you ever get a chance, take a pilgrimage and a journey uh, to Israel. Ryan went with us a couple of, how long ago now, Ryan? Four or five years ago now. But man, it was, it's, it's just awesome. And so when you say Bethlehem, you think of things, don't you? Uh, how many have ever been there? Wow, it's just awesome. And so, uh, so he came to the place, the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, which, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, everyone say while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Father, we thank you for the word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life and may we make room for you in the end of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I think about Mary and Joseph and I think about their journey, their pilgrimage to Bethlehem and the responsibilities that seemed to be upon them at the most inopportune time. 
Mary's about to have a baby. Why should we? And you know, you see the, the pictures and we don't, you know, we don't know if they walked or they rode a donkey. We don't know all of the, the ins and outs and the minutia of everything that happened. But we know, how many of you ladies would think that without, uh, you know, a, a, a car, uh, an airplane, something, it would be hard for someone who's nine months pregnant to make any kind of journey anywhere. Ladies, can you imagine riding on a donkey to, to Lumberton today? Just not, especially nine months pregnant. I don't think so. And I think about that and I think about the trauma, but it's a, 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 of how all that transpired and how the tendency may be. This is just not a great time for us to be called to pay our taxes. Uh, and, uh, and it just didn't seem to be the opportune time. And while they were there, it says the days were completed for her to be delivered. Understand something. Her time had come biologically. It was time for Jesus to be born biologically, but understand something on that first Christmas morning. It was more than biology that they were working with. This was prophetically inspired of God. This is God's plan unfolding for all humanity because you see, Jesus was born to die for us. And it's the plan of God unfolding. And so uh, I had one of my preacher friends call me. He said, what's your, one of your favorite uh, Old Testament uh, messianic uh, uh, verses and prophecies. And I, and I said, well, that Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah nine, where it says unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. My, I'm telling you, God's has a plan. Everyone say God has a plan and cry the Christ of Christmas. It was his, it was the timing of God for Jesus to make his grand appearance there that day in the stables because there was no room for him and for them in the end. And I think about that and I ponder that. And I, I think about the innkeeper. You know, nothing said about the innkeeper, but undoubtedly they dealt with the innkeeper. They knocked on the door uh, and because everyone was coming to town to pay their taxes and pay, you know, and get their get their uh, house in order and their issue straight, there was no room for them in the end. And I think about the innkeeper. I, I, I thought about him and, and all of us in a way are innkeepers in our hearts and we're responsible for what goes in and what goes out. I think about the innkeeper. And when Mary and Joseph showed up there, there's Mary. She's just, she's ready. She's ripe. And they knock on the door. And the innkeeper says, I'm sorry. There's just no room for you today. I think about that. And I think, you know, there's some things that probably or could be working within his life that limited him to being able to uh, bring them on in. Number one, he could have just been insolent and rude. Who cares? You should have got here early. He could have been. I don't know. I hope that was not the case with the innkeeper. But it could have been that when he saw Mary and Joseph and he saw Mary's case, he is so, so, uh, uh, you know, hardened to the needs of others that he just said, Oh, if you want to, you can go out there in the barn because there's no place for you. He could have been insolent, rude, and arrogant and uncaring towards Mary and Joseph. We hope that's not the case, but I thought about, well, he, he could just have been incapable, simply, huh? I can't. The rooms are full. His hands just could have been tied. They're all full. I wish he could have, he could have, he may have said, I so wish 
His heart could have been so much tender, more tender than being insolent. And he just said, I wish I could, I wish you'd have got here 30 minutes early. I just filled the last room, but my hands are tied. I can't, I can't go in and, and evict anyone out of their room, but I'll give you what I got. I'll give you the manger. I'll give you the, the stables there. And you, and you go to, he could have just been incapable in allowing Mary and Joseph in to a more suitable place where Jesus could be born. But I'll tell you one thing the innkeeper was. I don't know if he was insolent or incapable. I don't know what was really going on in his life. I'll tell you one thing he was. He was ignorant. I'm not speaking stupid. Everybody say he wasn't stupid. Because being ignorant is just being a lack of knowledge. How many of you know, uh, uh, anyone here, uh, any rocket scientists in the house? Any, any, so, so basically we got a room full of ignorant people. You're just unknowledgeable of rocket science. And I'll guarantee you one thing about this innkeeper. He was ignorant of who he was talking to. He was ignorant to the fact that within the womb of this little Mary rested the incarnate one who was about to make his grand appearance. And even as a businessman, think about it as a businessman, if he knew that the Christ was about to be born in his manger, promise you this, he would have evicted someone. Because even from a business standpoint, from, from then on, he can say, hey, for a special price, we'll let you stay in the room where Jesus was born. But you see, he was just ignorant. He didn't know. Had he known, things may have been different. But the reason he was ignorant, because they, hey, God wanted it that way, because the Bible teaches and prophecy declares that he will come in an unassuming fashion. And so we don't know. We just ponder and we can think. But sadly today, I know the same is true about us today and about the world we live in today. There's so many people that for whatever the reason, they don't have room in their lives for Jesus. Some could just be ignorant. Some could be just incapable. Some could be insolent. In fact, that's the case with all of us. In fact, the world we live in, in America, hey, hey, listen, uh, Jesus is pushed to the back. Even in churches, Jesus is pushed to the lowly stables of our lives. Instead of giving the prominent place and the living room of our hearts, he's pushed to the back, he's pushed to the side, and there's reasons for this and there are reasons for that. In fact, the Christ of Christmas in my lifetime has been replaced by the commercialization of Xmas. How many of you have seen that? And so we live in a world that is minimalizing and even more than minimalizing it. Hey, we live in a world that is undermining the very foundation of what Christmas is all about. Merry Christmas. Everyone say Merry Christmas. Oh man, did you know there are people who are trying to get that banned from culture? They're trying to get that banned from the workplace. In fact, some people are under the gun. Don't say Merry Christmas. In fact, I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if it's up in, I can't remember what city. Uh, I love how Christians turn out. Somebody just got all up in arms about the nativity scene on city property. And so they made them take down the nativity scene. 
And so the Christian folks in that little community, they all went out and bought nativity scenes and they all built nativity scenes. And rather than a few in town, every house, every Christian had a nativity scene. I love that because there's a culture we live in. There are people as innkeepers of their life. They don't want Jesus in their hearts or in their house. And we live in that. We battle that and we face that. The advent of our Lord has been reduced to a holiday that appeals to our flesh rather than the the reality of what Christmas is all about. It appeals to the desires for other things rather than the sacrificial love of God. How He loved us so much that He gave us His Son, Jesus. And so we live in that culture. We live in that world. And around the world, uh, people... Hey, uh, Christi- did you know Christianity is under attack? Am I the only one? Uh, got a few here. How many of you know Christianity is under attack? Let me tell you something about culture today. Let me tell you something about, uh, and I, I, I don't want to get, uh, uh, I don't want to uh, start po- pointing fingers at different religions and different philosophies, but, and even different lifestyles. There are, there are immoral lifestyles that, that don't just want to get along with us. They want to eradicate us. They don't want to just be equal voices. They want to stifle the voice of, uh, of you and I as Christians. And they want to, they want to snuff out the reality of the Christ of Christmas. And so we see that issue. We see people all over the world. There's a war. And I'm not talking about the Grinch that stole Christmas. I'm talking about the devil who is trying to steal the Christ of Christmas from our lives, from our culture. And so today, just like the innkeeper, this world is facing choices. What do we do with Jesus? Do we allow him into the end of our living room and our lives? Or do we push him to the back? Or we try to resist him and reject him altogether? And even as Christians, we have a responsibility. We have choices. Is, he, is Jesus going to be welcome in the end of our hearts? Or are we going to push him to the side? Are we going to push him out with the animals and other things that we don't allow into our lives? And just let him be a part of our lives? Or are we going to allow him into our lives to be the Lord and the leader of our lives? This morning, three people prayed a prayer of commitment that they want to invite him, not just to the outer recesses of their life. But I, don't want, I want him to live and abide in my heart heart. I want to invite him into the living room of my life and let him abide with me and me with him. And when you think of culture, just like the innkeeper on that first Christmas morning, think about this for a moment. Humanity, number one, is incapable. Think about it. Humanity is incapable. You know, I told the innkeeper, he might just, his hands may have been tied. Did you know humanity's hands have been tied by sin to keep us from uh, getting to Jesus? In fact, we've heard this phrase before, I found Jesus. Did you know you, we really didn't find Jesus? Did you know he found us? And we understand something about humanity's inability. We are incapable of being good enough to get to God. I think I said that a few moments ago during the invitation. Yeah, hey, you can't be good enough to get to God. In fact, I think Isaiah said all of our righteousness is as what? Says filthy rags and you don't want me to describe. Well, maybe you do. All our righteousness has filthy rags. The filthy rag there is a reference to the minstrel cloth. How many of you know the Bible's getting very detailed? 
In other words, our righteousness is, is of no value to God or man. We can't come to Christ in our own ability. We can't be good enough to get to God. Humanity is helpless and hopeless when it comes to their salvation. But I think of Ephesians 2 that I quoted for you just a few moments ago. In fact, I want everybody to turn there. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Hold your place there in Luke. And turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul the Apostle, he describes and defines humanity's uh, sinful nature and how we're dead indeed unto sin and, and, and our condition. In fact, let me, let me slip down to verse 12. I want to show you something. Verse 12 in chapter 2. He said that in time past you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope. Everyone say no hope. Having no hope and without God in this world. Paul just defined for the Ephesian church where they were before Jesus came and made himself known to them. You were without hope. How many of you know being without hope means you're incapable? There's impossibilities in your life. And the reality with all of humanity, humanity is incapable of coming to God. But that's why Jesus came. In fact, if you go back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, here's the verse I quoted a few moments ago. For by grace you have been saved through what? And that's not of yourselves, it's a what? It's a gift of God. You see, your faith is not yours. He gave it to you as a gift. In other words, there's no way you were hopeless and helpless in this world. We were all, humanity is incapable of coming to Christ because we're all sinners. We're all natural born sinners. And that's why Jesus came to deal with the sin problem. Look back up in verse uh, of chapter 2. It says, but God, in fact, he defines verse 1. He made us alive who were dead in our trespasses and sins. Those three people this morning, you three people this morning, before you prayed this prayer and put your trust and confidence in Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But it says he made you alive. We all once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And, and he goes on to say, verse 4, but God... Everyone say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Somebody say amen. You see, the reality of all of us today, we were all incapable of coming to God. We need his mercy and his grace. We are without hope and without God and we're hopeless. Listen, humanity without Jesus is hopeless. Humanity without Jesus has no hope of eternity. But today, because of what Christ has done, and today because of the power of the gospel, even in this room here this morning, three people found new hope in Christ. And it's not, I hope I get to heaven. Listen, if you're sitting here today and you think, I hope I get to heaven. Listen, you've not met the hope of Israel. You've not met the consolation of Israel. In fact, I remember when little, when Simeon, the priest, when they brought Jesus after eight day, after his purification, they brought him into the temple and Simeon found him. He said, my eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. He didn't hope he had seen. He didn't hope this was the one. He knew this was the one. He had met the Savior. Even as a baby. If you're here today and you just kind of hope, knock on wood, I'm going to heaven. You've not met the Christ that I've met. Because He's a Savior. In fact, what did the angels say? 
Unto us this day is born in the city of David, what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we realize something that humanity is incapable. And also humanity by and large is ignorant. They're uninformed. If the world knew the reality of their lostness, if the world knew the reality of Jesus, things would begin to change. How many of you know the Bible says God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge? You see, it's not God's will that any should perish. It's God's will and plan for all of us to be born again, become His child. He didn't didn't create us to kill us and to persecute and punish. He created us. And hey, he, He dealt with the sin problem on the cross for all of us. But the world's ignorant of what Christ has done for us. Uninformed about the reality of Christ's payment for the sins of all humanity. And that's why we as the church have a responsibility. We have a global responsibility that to, to be on the war path. Everyone say on the war path. We got to be on the war path against ignorance. We got to begin to release the, the, the precious knowledge and the knowing and the revelation of Jesus Christ to the world around us. I love the shepherds. Aren't the shepherds the coolest guys in town? In fact, understand something about the shepherds. They were the lowly shepherds. You see, shepherds went high on the list of of job descriptions that put you in a place of real reputation in the community. In fact, probably every little boy in the beginning was a shepherd. That's just what you do. And it's interesting to me that the revelation of Jesus Christ to the world came through the lowly place of the shepherds. And the shepherds were watching their fields by night, and you know the story. And it's interesting to me, when they heard the revelation from the angel, they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has told us about. And when you read through the story, you'll discover once again that the shepherds became the first evangelists. They began to go and tell everyone what they had seen and heard. And what they'd experienced. They began to, they began, they, they got on a war path, if you will, against ignorance. They wanted everybody to know. Beverly and I were talking. We hypothesize. I hypothesize. I think about these shepherds. You know, they were the first ones to hear about the birth of Jesus other than Joseph and Mary, as far as we know, at least from a biblical record. And they came and they saw the Christ. They followed the star. They, they found the Christ. They worshiped him and they went to share him with everyone they knew. And I think about their life. You know, it took 30 years for Jesus to show back up on the scene. And I wonder about these shepherds, how they lived their lives and how may they have lived to the place where they saw him minister and serve and teach and preach and even die and then rise again. They were not ignorant as some, though some may call them ignorant shepherds. They were more wise than even maybe the wise men who came because they had met him. And they began to share him. You see, I think of Anna the prophetess. If you read on in this story in, in Luke chapter nine and in, in, in the, in the, uh, the, the temple there, Anna the prophetess, after Simeon had his experience, Anna the prophetess, she came under the revelation of Jesus and who he was. And the Bible says about Anna the prophetess that she shared him everywhere she went. 
She too was on a war path against the ignorance of humanity. Because understand something, humanity. Listen, people are not going to get born again because we smile and go to church. People are not going to get born. People are not going to welcome Jesus into the end of their hearts. Listen to me today. Because we don't cuss, smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. People are going to be born again. You know why three people lifted their hand today? Because they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel, the Bible says about the gospel, the good news. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Remember, the angel said, he is, the, he is Christ. He's the Savior of the world. He's the deliverer of those who are lost and without Christ. You see, we live in a world that in many places, by and large, is ignorant. Of the gospel and the power of God unto salvation. Years ago, I was on a missions trip, I think to Belize. It's been so long ago and I was, I, maybe not. Uh, maybe so. I think I was. I was in Belize city. That's where I was. And I was talking to a guy from England and we were both going to get on a plane, a little, a, a little plane that was a scary plane. It was very scary. Uh, for those who did not, in fact, we got on this plane and one of the guys, I think he'd been either smoking or toking or drinking and he, he just, he just hollered out, we're going to die in here. I says, you hush your mouth. I told him finally after he's all worried and fearful began to get off on me, I, I told him, I, I said, listen, there's three preachers, men of God in this house. We have guaranteed your safe arrival. So could you please be quiet? I said that because I was scared. <laughs> I want him to hush. But I met this guy who was there with us and we talked for a while. He's from England. And he was on his way to do some studies, biological studies. And as I began to talk out, you see, I was raised in the Bible Bell. I began, what do you do? What do you do? And we got to, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor of a church. He said, oh, I can't speak British. Oh, I wish I could. Oh, really? I don't know how it sounds. And, and, and we began to talk. He had never, listen, never opened a Bible Never heard the story of Jesus, ever. You would think he would have got it by accident on TV somewhere. Never. I said, I've, he said, I've never heard this. I said, you've never heard about Jesus. I've never heard this. He's a, he's a young man. And I said, would you like to know more? He said, oh, yes, I would. And I had a Bible and I, I only had one Bible and I was headed to place to preach. I thought, oh man, I'm going to give away my only Bible here. How am I going to, I thought, man, this might be my only shot with him. I gave him my Bible and he's going to be on the beaches down in Belize for like three months. I said, here, let me show you the gospel story. This is all about Jesus. While you're sitting there on the beach after you read about Jesus, you know, I'd love to. And I realized that, hey, this, hey, this man, he was not insolent. He was not in his heart rebellious and uncaring and, and arrogant against the gospel, but he was ignorant. And he is unca he was incapable without the mercy and the grace of God in his life. We live in a world that needs Jesus, and the only way they're going to get to Jesus is if we begin to share him. You see, if he lives on the, in the end of your heart, how many of you Jesus lives on in the end of your heart? He's, he lives in the living room of your life. How, how many of you here, you've invited, hey, listen, now you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility just as the shepherds, just as Anna the prophetess. We've got to come to a place in life where we make him known. We know him and make him known. Amen. And finally, the sad thing about humanity. 
Humanity, by and large, in reality, is not only incapable and ignorant, but many are insolent. They're arrogant. And they lack respect for the true nature of God. In fact, when you look at the sinful nature of man, it is our nature to be arrogant and resistant to authority. So we live in a culture that is insolent. They're arrogant. They're rude. They're crude. And when it comes to Jesus, they don't care. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, you can read it later in verse 18, it says, even though they knew God, or it really means knew about God, they didn't honor Him as God, nor were they thankful, and God gave them over to the lust of their flesh and the, and the desires of their heart and mind, and they became uh, 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 reprobates in their life. Why? Because they knew God, but they did not honor God. They were insolent. They said, I don't need Him in my life. And that's the culture we live in. And heaven came not to the prideful and the arrogant. Jesus was not born in the palace with all the arrogance and opulence of the day. He was born in a manger with some lowly shepherds to show up. That's where all of us need to be in our life. To be able to ask Him and to allow Him and, and provide Him the opportunity to come and live in the end of our hearts and lives and be the Lord and the leader of our life. See, all of us on some level have that in our hearts and lives. We've got to humble ourselves even as Jesus came and humbled Himself. The Bible says He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee could bow and every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This morning and on this holiday season in this season in this these next few weeks where we celebrate the advent and the coming of the Christ, where we meditate upon the reality of Christ in our lives and where we invite Him in. In fact, we've read Romans 3.23, I think it's 3.20, and we tend to use it as, a, as an evangelistic verse, but it was written to the church. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. And this holiday season, Jesus, he's not going to be satisfied with the manger. You see, he, he was born a lowly nobody. But he lived and died as the King of Kings, and he rose again as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he demands the throne room of our hearts because of who he is. And so today, let me share some things with you, how you and I can continue to make him the Lord and leader of our life and invite him into the living room of our life, number one. Hey, listen carefully. We make room for Jesus in our lives and in our hearts and in the end of our hearts by leaning on His grace and mercy. We got to lean on Him. Everyone say lean on Him. You know, there's some old hymns. The old hymn, leaning, leaning. 
Leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. But listen, where we lean, where we find our strength, where we find our sustenance, where we find our ability for Him to be ours and us His is because of His mercy and grace. He's the Savior of the world. Remember what I read to you in Ephesians 2. For by grace you're saved. Everybody say, for by grace I'm saved. Through faith. Everyone say, through faith. What was the first thing heaven said to the shepherds? Unto you today is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. That's why He came today. And the only way we can be saved is when we lean upon His mercy and grace in our lives. And realize that by by His grace and by His mercy, His mercy endureth forever. And if you want Jesus in, to be invited again this holiday season and this Christmas season into the living room of your daily lives, you and I, we must lean daily upon the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says that, that by grace we're saved through faith. And then we find out that Paul says we walk by faith. How you got born again is how you live your life by faith. In the finished work of Christ, we invite Him into the living room of our lives and our hearts by leaning on His grace and mercy. And number two, by letting Him be Lord completely. I want to speak to these three especially who prayed with me, who lifted your hands to the Lord to, to, to be born again today. Listen, He is the Savior. Somebody say Amen. But He's also the Lord. I want to speak to all of us today who have been born again and we've allowed Him to say, we've, we've embraced the saving grace and mercy of God in our life. The first thing we've got to do is now yield to Him as the Lord and the leader of our life. I love what the angel said unto us this day is born in the city of David, a Savior. And let me tell you who He is. He's Christ the Lord. And if we want to allow Jesus into the living room of our life and, and take him out of the, the back room and, and take him out of the lowly place and put him into the, into the high place and on the throne room of our heart, we've got to bow before him as the Lord and the leader of our life. That means he's in charge. That means what his Bible says is true. That means it's not what I think, what I believe and what I want. It's all about him and what he wants in our lives. He is the Lord and the leader unto us this day. Was born in the city of David, a Savior, a Deliverer, and He's Christ the Lord. In this room today, listen to me carefully. There are people who have confessed Him as the Savior, but never allowed Him to be the Lord. And I believe today is a great day. Every day is a great day, but right now is a great day to reevaluate where Jesus is in our life. Is He in the manger of our life? Have we kept Him on the outskirts of our life and, and not invited Him into the recesses of our life and let Him be the Lord and the leader of our home and of our lives and of our futures? You see, we make room for Him by leaning on His grace and mercy, we make room for Him in the living room of our hearts by letting Him be Lord completely. Not just partially. In fact, Lordship is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Are you with me? And then finally, we make room for Jesus in the living room of our hearts, in the end of our lives, by living our life for His greater glory. 
by living our life, not for ourselves, but for His glory. I'm going to read between the lines a little bit. But I have a sneaking suspicion about these shepherd boys. That that morning or that evening, when they followed the star into Bethlehem, And they found the Christ. They had heard the angelic declaration for unto you this day in the city of David has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they went and said, let us go see this thing. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary. This is verse 16 of chapter 2. And the babe lying in the manger, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their hearts. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. I have a sneaking suspicion that these shepherd boys, when they heard the angelic declaration, the angelic declaration said, glory to God in the highest. We see that they returned back to the fields. They returned back to their worlds, praising God. And my little suspicion is, That that angelic visitation and that Christ impartation into their life radically transformed their lives and they lived the rest of their days for His greater glory. I don't know that for sure, but I'm telling you, we see the beginning of their life. They, They returned glorifying God, sharing all the things that they had seen and heard. If you want Jesus... If we want the Christ child, uh, now the resurrected Lord of lords and King of kings to be welcome into our lives, we've got to make room for Him. And we make room for Him by leaning and relying upon His mercy and grace in our life in every day and every way. Let him, Him be the Lord and the leader of our lives in every day and in every way. Living our lives, listen carefully, for His greater glory every day and in every way. That's how we make room for Jesus. That's how we allow Him to come in and sup with us and we with Him and He with us. In this holiday season, in the rest of our days in every way and every way, We've got to let Jesus live and abide within the end of our hearts. We're all innkeepers. You fathers, where are all the fathers? Lift your hand, fathers. Especially if you've got kids at home, you're innkeepers. You're watching over your family. You have a responsibility who you let in and who you don't. We're all innkeepers of our hearts. We have the responsibility of allowing Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of our life, living our lives for His greater glory and leaning upon His mercy and grace day by day. Let's stand together this morning.
Let's bow our heads before the Lord. We've got plenty of time today. We made it that way just for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed as the worship team comes today, it's an opportunity for us not just to log down this message in some mental file somewhere for later access. But we come to this moment today to let Jesus be the Lord and the leader and take what we've heard begin to live our lives for His greater glory. Begin to allow Him to be the Lord of our lives in every way and every day. Leaning upon His mercy and grace with every head bowed and every eye closed today. Let's just invite Him into the throne room of our life. Let's crown Him as Lord of Lords and King of Kings today in our hearts. Let's take the next few moments to just apply this and just ask ourselves, where's Jesus in my life today? Where have I allowed Him in and where have I not allowed Him in? Let's do that today. Michael's going to lead us in a simple chorus. We're just going to let the Word of God set up residence in our hearts today. Thank oh, come let us
on a rainy, stormy, windy day. In fact, one of this brother right here had a car wreck on the way to church and made it. And and where where's Amanda? Amanda, she may be with the kids. She went by Walgreens or something on her way out. The wind grabbed the door and flew it open and busted and shattered right beside her. She made it to church today. Uh, and you made it today. And people who were lost and needed Christ made it today. And heaven rejoiced. Let's rejoice with heaven today. Father, we thank you today for what you've done in our midst. Lord, our hearts are full. We give you all the praise. And everybody said amen one more time.